Amen, amen. So just by way of reminder, I know I've done this for the last year almost every Sunday, is to give us kind of a review of how we got to where we are each morning, and this morning included. And it's not done to insult your intelligence, but I think it's, a good, it's good to be reminded of um, where we are and how we got to the place where we are this morning. Remember, and by the way, it's the book of Revelation, not Revelations. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It means the unveiling or the uncovering of Jesus Christ in all of his beauty, all of his splendor, all of his magnificence. And truly, as we study this book, we get to see Jesus in fresh ways that we've never seen before. I don't know about you, but I've seen him in new ways, in fresh ways, and I'm so grateful for this book. And I believe that God gave us the revelation that we might understand the book, that we might study the book and listen and hear and put into practice what we learn in the book of Revelation. I don't think it's in there on accident, do y'all? I believe that, that God's word, all 66 books, inspired by him, given by him to us, that he intends for us to understand not everything 100% completely. There are some mysteries. And listen, we have to be okay with mystery in the Christian walk. There are some things that we will not understand this side of heaven. And if you're not cool with that, you're going to be jacked up in your walk with the Lord. You're going to be searching for answers on Google and every wind of doctrine that blows through the church. Keep seeking the Lord, keep looking to the Lord, because that's to be our boast that we know and understand the Lord. Amen? And so remember where we began, the book of Revelation. The apostle John was on the island of Patmos. That's right. He was exiled there. In fact, church history tells us that they tried to kill the Apostle John. They tried to boil him in oil. They couldn't kill him. So they're like, we got to get rid of this dude. We got to shut him up. And so he was sent to this prison island of Patmos. We don't know if he was alone. We don't know if there was others there breaking rocks with him at the quarries. But what we do know is that in his place of isolation, he was given the greatest revelation. And I want to encourage you this morning, maybe this morning you feel like you're isolated, that you, no one knows what you're going through, no one understands, no one has the answers for you. Can I encourage you to look to the Lord this morning, that he wants to meet with you this morning in a special way in your loneliness, your emptiness, whatever it is you're going through. Listen, please, Jesus is the answer. That's right. Amen, little dude or chick, whatever you are back there. So John's there, Isla Patmos. Who shows up? Jesus shows up, right? Again, in his glory, in his majesty. And John is blown away. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus is my homeboy. Come here, give me some. He's broken. He's blown away in the presence of the Lord, of his holiness, of his glory. He falls as if dead. And what does the Lord do? The Lord touches him. That nail-scarred hand touches him. Don't be afraid, and has him get up. And then he gives us what's so beautiful, the instructions to John, which give us an outline for the entire book. Isn't that beautiful? He helps us out with an outline to help us understand this book. And by the way, I think it's impossible to understand this book if we don't have a grasp of the Old Testament, because there are over 500 references back to the Old Testament 
that are found in the book of Revelation. In fact, all of the imagery in the figurative language, we don't have to come up with we don't have to come up with fanciful interpretations or our slick guesswork. Everything is interpreted for us in the text or somewhere else in the scriptures. Now, listen, the best commentary for the Bible is the Bible itself, gang. That's why we need to know our Bibles, not just know the Word of God, but knowing the Word of God that we might know the God of the Word personally and walk with Him. And so John gets the instructions, and how what, what did Jesus say to him? Number one, write down the things which you've seen. What did John see? The Lord Jesus Christ, right? In all of His glory, all of His splendor. Number two, second part of our outline, write down the things which are. That would be chapter two and chapter three. Jesus gave seven report cards to the seven churches. And all of those report cards are applicable for you and for me. Not only individually, but also corporately, also for our church, because Jesus tells us what a successful Christian is and a successful church in his eyes. I don't care what people say or what the Christian bookstore says or anything online about what is successful in the church or in our walk. I want to know what Jesus says. Amen? And so Jesus tells us, and he shows us where we need to make adjustments. He shows us where we need to repent and get things back in order to to keep us going in the right direction, that we would honor him and bring him glory. And so seven report cards. And then the third part of the outline, Jesus says, write down the things that must take place after this. That is chapter 4 all the way to chapter 22. That is future events. Chapter 4 and chapter 5, you remember, John is supernaturally transported where? To heaven, that's right. And what does he see? It's mentioned over and over and over. He sees the throne. He sees the throne. And one sitting on the throne. Isn't that great that the Lord is sitting on the throne this morning? Does that bring anybody comfort that he's in control? He's not tripping out about what's going on around the world. What's going on in your life? He's not panicking. He's not binge eating. So you know what we can do? <sighs> Big, deep LA fitness breath, right? Just, it's going to be okay. He's working all things together for good in my life and in your life. Is that a great promise, by the way? That's like the ultimate insurance policy for those that love him. Everything, is, he's working together for good in your life and in my life. He's in control. And so we learn in this book that our Lord is in control. He's on the throne. What else did John see while he was in heaven in chapter 4 and chapter 5? He saw Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, with, with the marks of slaughter still on him. So for all eternity, when we see our Lord, he's bearing the marks of his sacrifice for you and I on the cross. And we will be reminded, listen, we will be reminded for all eternity of the price he paid that we might be there and enjoy him and his grace and blessings forevermore. None of us can say, oh, I got here on my own. No way, Jose. It's all because of Jesus Christ by his grace and the work that he did on the cross and his resurrection for you and for me. What else do we see? We see a whole group of people there. from every. We just sang it, didn't we? Every tribe, tongue, nation, all singing the same songs, by the way, as one voice together singing the songs, and our voices won't be jacked up, everybody be in tune.
And there's only one group of people that can sing that song, those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So what does John see? Who does John see? He sees the bride of Christ in heaven. Why am I bringing this up? Because chapter 4 and chapter 5 always precede chapter 6 through 19. What do you mean? Chapter 6 through 19 is the tribulation period. Seven-year period in the future of unprecedented um, suffering, pressure, and pain. God's wrath will be poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. It will come in three waves. The seven seal judgments, the seven trumpet judgments, and the seven bowl judgments. You guys remember all of this? It's super important to remember this because... The church is no longer mentioned on earth in those chapters. Why? Because we're in heaven. Jesus comes to rescue his bride. That would be you and I. He comes to uh, do a mass evacuation, if you will, of his precious people before God's wrath is poured out upon this earth. How do you know that? Why do you believe that, Pastor? Because the B-I-B-L-E tells me so. Jesus said to the church in Revelation 3.10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. What's the means of deliverance? The next verse. Behold, Jesus said, I am coming quickly. The Lord is coming for us, for his bride, at any moment. And so, chapter 6 through 19, God's wrath. And why wrath? Three reasons. God is going to remove, He's going to fumigate planet Earth. He's going to remove wickedness and wicked ones. There will be an amazing awakening. Many people will get saved, and God will deal with the nation of Israel. God's not through with the Jew. There will be a number of Jews that turn to Jesus Christ the Messiah, and surrender their lives to him at the end of the tribulation period. And what's going to happen when that happens? Jesus is going to show up. Second coming of Christ to this earth. We will be with him, correct? Are you still with me? Are you guys still traveling with me? Okay, cool. Because we're going to be traveling with Jesus. He's going to be on a white horse. We're going to be on our white horses. And what's he going to do? He's going to come and set up his kingdom on earth for how long? For how long? Thousand years, also known as the... Millennial reign, that is not when the millennials will be reigning, by the way. Don't, no, make no mistake about that. The Lord Jesus will be reigning. We will be reigning with him. What does it look like? I have no clue. At the end of the thousand years, literal thousand years, comes the great white throne judgment. All those that have rejected Jesus Christ, that have rejected the witness of God in their lives, will stand before God will be found guilty and sentenced to the lake of fire for all eternity. And so, that the heavens as we know them now, the earth as we know it now, will be gone in a pinch of ash, gone. And then we will be there, brother or sister, we will be there with our Father when he creates a new heaven and a new earth. That's going to be glorious. And we live happily ever after with Jesus. Amen to that. And we've, we've, we've talked about that, how glorious that's going to be. And now we come to the end of the book, and there's a series of exhortations, a series of warnings. There's also words of comfort as well as we finish the book here. And so let's take a look together uh, and see what God's Word says, where we left off 
We left off in verse 12, and it says, God's word says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And so who is this speaking right here? This is Jesus speaking. Is is yours in red writing in your Bible? Yeah. If it's not, listen, there's no, we don't need guesswork. There's only one person that's coming. That's Jesus. Didn't he say that to us? John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And so Jesus says, behold, I am coming quickly. Quickly means suddenly and without warning. Hey, listen, have you guys ever had like something happen to you where it happened so quick and so sudden? It was like, whoa, I can't believe that just happened to me. Hit so hard. That's what it's going to be like when he comes. When he shows up, it's going to be sudden. It's going to be quick. We're not going to be expecting it. That's why it's like a thief in the night. You don't expect it. We should be, but the reality is we're often not expecting his return. Anybody respecting his return this morning? How about, how about if you knew? Listen, I'm not a date setter. No one knows the day or the hour. But what if you knew he was coming tomorrow? Would there be some things you need to get right in your life? Maybe some relationships you need to get tightened up. Maybe some phone calls you need to make or visits you need to make before he shows up. And so Jesus says, behold, I am coming quickly, suddenly. And notice three times in this chapter, he says it. If Jesus tells us something three times, does that mean it's important? He says it in verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. And then again there, verse 12, and behold, I am coming quickly. And then in verse 20, surely I am coming quickly. And this phrase here in verse 12, it's connected with Jesus giving what? What does it say? Giving what? Giving rewards. He says, and my reward is with me, To give to who? To everyone according to his work. And so what is this reward that he has for believers? Is this the crown of righteousness that he promises? If you're taking notes, I'm going to flip there. 2 Timothy, remember Paul's on death row in 2 Timothy, and he's writing this letter to this young pastor And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he said, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Isn't that interesting? A special crown 
is waiting for those that love his appearing. When he shows up, when he's coming for his bride, when we are loving that, when we are living for his return, there's a special crown that Jesus is going to place on your head. Is that the reward that Jesus is talking about here? I don't know, but the Bible teaches us about rewards, doesn't it? Does the Bible teach us about rewards, y'all? This is why I slowed down, because there's some people that have no clue. Or they have no clue that the Lord wants to reward you. Listen, salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a free gift. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we simply receive, by his grace, the free gift. However, there are rewards that the Lord has for us as we invest what he's given us out of love and faithfulness for our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said himself, didn't he? Store up your treasures where? In your garage? In your storage unit? No, thank you. <laughs> That's why I love the kids in here, right? Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. But you better hold on to your seats in a little bit here. Jesus said, store up your treasures in heaven. He even said, he even qualified and said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we take the grace that God has given each one of us and we max it out for his glory. And then one day he rewards us. Isn't that crazy? He rescues us, saves us, gives us his spirit, gives us gifts and callings, leads and guides us, empowers us, and then rewards us for what he does in and through our lives. Is that a good deal? It's like a good deal to anybody? Let's talk about this. Romans 14, flip over there with me real quick. Let's talk about this reward program. Because you guys like rewards, don't you? I do at the pump, man. I'm getting my reward at Walmart. How about, how about spiritual rewards? How much more precious and awesome? Romans 14. Here's the context. There's a division happening in the church over their liberties. Some people were using their liberties in Christ, and they were tripping up other believers. Some people were judging others because they were exercising their liberties, and, and Paul gives us instructions on how to work through that, to navigate that. So that's the context of what he's uh, communicating here in chapter 14, verse 10. Paul asks a couple questions, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Did you guys catch that? As believers, all of us will stand before the judgment seat or the bema seat of Christ. And the bema seat or the judgment seat in ancient times was when the Olympic athletes would, would uh, win their event or they'd place and they would stand before the judge, the bema seat, and they would put a wreath on their heads. And can you imagine that? That was a big honor, but what would happen like six months later to the wreath? Still looking pretty sweet. It turns brown and gnarly, correct? 
That's why Paul says to the Corinthians later, he says, listen, labor for the crown that is imperishable. Not a perishable crown. Oh, there's, there's an example with Olympic athletes, how they train and how they work hard and to, to get a perishable crown. But you, for an imperishable crown, live your life in such a way that you'll be crowned by the Lord. And he says here, all of us will stand before this judgment seat. Look what else he says. As I live, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Did y'all catch that? You and I will give an account. And, And there's a picture of this with a steward. A steward takes care of things that don't belong to them. All of us here this morning are stewards, whether you recognize it or not. Stewards of a family, stewards of our children, parents. They are, our kids are on loan to us by God, correct? They belong to him. And we're called to be faithful in training them in the way that they should go. And like arrows in the quiver, we take them out. And when it's time to go, release them right, right on target, following Jesus. You guys still with me on this? We're stewards of our testimony. We're stewards of the word of God. We're stewards of the gifts and callings that God has given us. And we will stand before Jesus when we're in heaven and we're going to give an account to him of what we did with what he entrusted us with. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me. 2 Corinthians 5. So that's one place, Romans 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The context is, here's the context, check it out. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No amens for that. <laughs> to be absent from the body, when, that means when you take your last breath here, you'll take your first breath in heaven, brother or sister. Is that good news this morning? It doesn't say to be absent from the body is to have you know, a couple thousand years of soul sleep or some other nonsense. That's good news. Jesus said, because I live, so you too shall live. That's our hope, isn't it? Is to be with Jesus as we pass through the veil into eternity to be with him. And so the context is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So he says, in light of that, therefore... We make it our aim, what we're aiming at, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, to please Jesus with our lives. For, here's reason word, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or or bad. And so again, the reminder, each one of us will stand before Jesus. We will give an account. And by the way, this is not the great white throne judgment. Hallelujah for that, right? And so we make it our aim to do what? To please Jesus. And what's going to happen is when we stand before him, we're going to see individually All the bad stuff is going to get burned away. All the good stuff will remain, and we'll get rewarded for that. Hallelujah. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One more spot real quick. 
I know all this, man. You're preaching to the choir. Man, I, you know, I wish I had this, this tape so I could send it to my friend. This is the message for them. They don't have tapes anymore. The link. Let me send the link. To Jim Bob and Sally Sue. They need to hear this. You know who needs to hear this? I need to hear this. I need to be reminded of this. That I wouldn't waste my life. Do you know the Lord doesn't want you to waste your life? You guys know that or no? This is a, I love what the Apostle Paul said when he was writing to the Philippians. He spoke about all the things he once invested his life in, the direction he was headed with his life of being rich and powerful and popular. And he said, All of that I count as rubbish, I count as manure in comparison to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Why am I bringing that up? Because there are people in the church, brothers and sisters, and I love you, you're, building, you're busy building up your manure pile. And it's like, don't bother me. I'm too busy piling up my manure here. And here's the good news this morning is that you can take that manure and turn it into gold if you take what the Lord has given you and to use it for his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom. Listen to what it says. This is, this is good. We need to hear this. And the context is, check this out. Here's the context. Remember the church of Corinth? They were fighting. There was envy. There was arguments. There was strife going on. And Paul's like, listen, y'all, you're a bunch of babies. You're still in huggies. Listen, anytime there's fighting in a church, when there's envy and strife and arguments, guess what? Someone's in huggies. Someone needs to get changed and then to grow up. We are to go on to maturity. How do we go on to maturity? By applying the word of God and trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Amen? What was the big deal at Corinth? What were they fighting over? I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of this little crew. I'm of this little group. And, and not that it's not cool to have your little people that you hang out with at church. The problem was they were doing it to the exclusion of other little groups at church. We're better than you. No, you're not. We're better than you. And they're fighting in the church. Does the Lord want his body divided? Absolutely not. And so Paul helps them here to see clearly that they are wasting time. Do you know any argument that you have will not matter in heaven? What did you argue with your spouse on the way here to church? I mean, 10 years ago. Do you know that little argument will not matter in heaven? The little issue you have with someone here at church, oh, they sat in my seat. I've been sitting there for 10 weeks. <laughs> Big whoop, get in the penalty box or the VIP section. <laughs> Just kidding. That's, those are great seats. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says. Back to the word, sorry. That... Who then is Paul? 
And who is Apollos? Like, big whoop. But ministers, but servants, through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. He's like, who am I? Who's Apollos? We're just servants. God gave us to you to serve you, to help you in your walk with the Lord, to be a helper of your joy. And then he goes on to say, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Isn't that awesome? He says, I just planted some seeds. We're just like farmers. That's all we are. We, and Apollos came and had the watering bucket. But it was God who did the supernatural. It's God who worked to bring the increase. Isn't that good news? That takes all the pressure off of who? You and me. We just need to be faithful to sow the seeds. Some of us are sowers of seeds, correct? It doesn't matter how many degrees you have, sow, seed sowing certificates or PhDs. It's just pile, piled high and deep. That's what it stands for. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. PhD, piled high and deep. You'll get it later. It's okay. On the way, honey, what was he talking about? It doesn't matter how many degrees, how many letters you have in the front of your name or back of your name. We're just called to sow the seeds. It's God who does the supernatural. God has called some of us to be waterers. Listen, if Jesus said, if you're not gathering with me, you're scattering. There's no in-between. That's heavy. Are you gathering, (laughs) bringing people into the kingdom by your planting and by your watering? If not, you're investing. Listen, this morning, I love you. This is wealth management 101. You're investing in the wrong kingdom. And so Paul says, So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. Isn't that beautiful? That means we're teammates. Whether you're a seed sower or you're a water pourer. Are you with me? It's not like, well, I have a better seed sowing program than you, and my water bottle's bigger than your water bottle. We're a team. We're in this together. Are you with me? You're still seeing this. Look at our Bibles. And each one, but check this out. So we're a team. However, each one will receive his own reward. Didn't Jesus say that? Revelation 22. He's got his reward. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Please notice that. We're rewarded according to our own labor, not the results. Thank you. Because there are some of us that have been laboring in the shade and you're not seeing any fruit. And you've been faithful. Just like Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah? How many converts did Jeremiah have? Zero. Goose egg, dude. But think about how fruitful his life is because of the impact of his faithfulness to represent God and to speak faithfully on behalf of the Lord. Listen, we're rewarded not on results, but on our labor. 
for we are God's fellow workers. Man, we're a team. You're God's field. We're pouring into you. You are God's building. We're helping you be built up according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed. Notice this, how he builds on it. So Paul says, listen, God's given me grace and I'm building. There is no other foundation to build on, but we're going to see in a moment, but the foundation of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us in this room, myself included, we're all building, by the way. All of us. Some of us, some of us building the Lord's kingdom. Some of us are building in the kingdom of this world. And he says, take heed what? How you're building. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. He's the cornerstone. And then he goes on to say, Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. Why? For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. Awesome. So some of the things we're doing are like precious metals, stones, right? Jewels. Some of us, some of our works have been hay, wood, stubble. When we come before the Lord, the fire is going to reveal what sort of work it was. And does that mean Jesus' eyes, remember his eyes are like a flame of fire, does he just look at our works when we stand before him? And it says there that if our work endures, we're going to receive a reward, but if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And so some... Jesus will test your works, and you will get rewarded. How cool is that? Some will stand before the Lord, and everything goes up in a pinch of ash, just like that. And you get in, you're still saved. You get in with a smoking robe, <laughs> a little hot. <laughs> you, got, you made it. I don't want to get in with a smoking robe. <laughs> We can, listen, every day we can come before the Bema seat and say, Lord, is what I'm doing for you pleasing you? Is the investment I'm making with my life make you happy? And not only that, listen, listen. Lord, is this motivated by love? What I'm doing? Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, listen, you flip forward. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, even in martyrdom, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Do you guys see that that needs to be our motivation this morning? We love him because he first loved us. And so it's good, I think, to take inventory, to stop and say, Lord, I want to make sure what I'm doing is going to endure when I stand before you. I don't want to miss out on whatever it is you have for me. Are you guys still with me this morning? Let's get back to Revelation. Because that's like one, two verses, isn't it? We got two more. No, we got 13. We didn't even do that one yet. The context is Jesus still speaking. I am the Alpha and... The Omega. What is the Alpha and the Omega? The first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. It's almost like, why does Jesus say that? Why does he, use the, why does he even use that phrase? And I personally think, again, we use that phrase sometimes, um, this store has everything from A to Z. You guys ever say that? I know it's an old saying. They have everything from A to Z. It means they got everything you need. And isn't Jesus life's A to Z? He's everything we could or ever would need. Listen, David said, looking back on his life, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's the one that satisfies me. He's the one that restores my soul. He's the one who who dispels fear in my life because he's with me. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. What else does he say there? He's the beginning and the end. Isn't that beautiful? The author of Hebrews says that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you know that Jesus was there when you came to know him personally? He had to be, didn't he? When you surrendered and gave your life to Jesus, he's the author. He's the beginning of your walk with him, the beginning of your race. Do you know he's going to be there at the finish line too? Do you know that he's with you there every part of the way? He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you. He who has begun a good work in you will do what? Is he going to complete it? We're promised. Philippians 1.6 He who has begun a good work in you will finish it until the day of Christ Jesus. He is going to finish what he began in your heart and your life. How about this one? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How was Jesus yesterday? Did he take care of you? Did Jesus take care of you yesterday? Was he good to you yesterday? Was he faithful? What's he going to be today? Is he going to be good today? Is he going to be faithful today? Is he going to take care of you today? He's the same yesterday, today, and next week he's going to be the same way in your life. Next year, should he tarry? Is he going to care for you? Is he going to be good to you? Is he going to love you? Amen. He's the beginning and the end and... He's the first and the last. What in the world does that even mean? 
Again, remember all of the Old Testament references that are connected with the book of Revelation. If you're taking notes, Isaiah 44. I'm going to flip there. Isaiah 44. If you run into any uh, JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, any of their cults, false religions, this is a great spot. Listen, all cults, false religions have one thing in common. They all minify Jesus. They all diminish Jesus. To, say, to, to limit him to being just a teacher or some guru or he was just an emanation of light. That's nonsense, man. He is God. In fact, he's the one speaking here in Revelation 22, 13. And Isaiah 44, listen to what it says. I think it's verse 6. I got to get there. It is. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Isn't that beautiful? Back to Revelation 22. Blessed are those who do his commandments. Why? That they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. And so Jesus, once again, in his word, we find out about a blessing pronounced to who? To those who do his what? What's it say? Do his what? Commandments. Jesus said three times, at least in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. We get a chance to demonstrate our love for Jesus by keeping his word, by doing his word. In fact, Matthew 28, you guys know the Great Commission? You guys know the Great Commission? What did Jesus say? Go into all the world, make disciples, correct? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I've commanded you to do. Wow. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are we called to make disciples? Or is that just for a few elite, the few, the proud, the spiritual marines? Is that just for them? Or is that for all of us? It's for all of us. It starts with me being a committed follower doing what he says, and then, because if I'm not doing what the Lord says and telling others to do, is is there something wrong with that? (laughs) Correct? That's phony. Isn't that phony baloney, like hypocrisy? (laughs) Right? Hey, you do this. You sacrifice, but I'll live in a mansion and drive, you know, a convertible Beamer. (laughs) You guys sacrifice, but I'll... (laughs) You invest in his kingdom. I'm not going to. That's baloney. We all, do, we all have to do what he says, correct? In fact, James, James put it this way. 
He said, faith without works is what? Is dead. In fact, these verses to me, these are frightening. Because there's going to be people on the day of judgment that are going to stand before Jesus and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name, prophesy in your name? Did we not commit, do miracles in your name? Did we not go to church? And what's he going to say? Jesus, Jesus said many are going to do that, not just a couple people. He said many are going to come to him on that day and say that. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity, or you who practice lawlessness. You know what he's saying? He's saying, we, although you said we had a relationship, I never knew you, and you demonstrated that we had no relationship by the way you lived your life. It's heavy. It's important, Lord. It's important to the Lord And it's important for us that we obey what he says. Again, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? There's a disconnect. We can't call him Lord and be disobedient willfully and practice rebellion. And what's heavy here is like, well, it's a great reminder that we have the right to the tree of life. We get to enjoy that amazing fruit that the Lord has to enter into the new Jerusalem, to partake of all of the, all the, the grace and beauty and the glorious blessings that he has for us. But look what it says, but outside, those that are excluded from the kingdom, because you read that, but outside are dogs. Don't think that's like Fido and your Labradoodle, like trying to get in, scratching at the door. You know, you read that and go, what in the world? Dogs, they're outside. What? My dog can't be in there with me. I know he's saved. <laughs> Listen, when you read, again, you got to do a study, like dig, scratch, scratch a little deeper. Deuteronomy 23, verse 18. If you're taking notes, you can check it out later. Dogs are uh, used for prostitutes or those who sell their bodies for illicit uses. The book of Philippians, chapter 4, or actually chapter 3, the apostle Paul speaks of false teachers being dogs. Look out for them. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, he said, don't give what is holy to the dogs. So what, what in the world are we talking about? We're talking about someone that is living their life just for, to satisfy their flesh. I mean, think about your dog. What does your dog do? You guys have, anybody have dogs? You guys have doggies? Do, do any of them hop in your car with their Bible under their paw and come in here and worship and sing and do Bible study? Do any of them do that? What are they doing, what are they doing right now? Sleep in, thank you. Eat, sleep, roam. They just live for what? They live for their belly. They live to satisfy their flesh. That's what's being talked about here. Those that live supremely life on the animal plane, living to satisfy their flesh, their desires. They're excluded from God's kingdom. And then he says, what's next? Sorcerers. What is that talking about? 
That's talking about wizards and witches, those involved in the occult. And please don't come to me and say, oh, well, it's, it's not a black witch, it's a white witch. That... It's darkness, man. That's demonic. Ouija boards, tarot cards, all of that is straight from the pit of hell. Getting you away from the one who can truly lead your life and satisfy you. The word sorcery or sorcerer is pharmakia in the Greek, in which we get pharmacy. It speaks of using illicit drugs, selling illicit drugs, using illicit drugs, trying to escape reality, trying to live in a fantasy world. It can be from doing from smoking dope, and please don't come and tell me, oh, it's, man, it's okay, God's cool with that because it's from the earth. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. So is lead. And, and what that, it's, you know, it's cool, man. Listen, it's a gateway into worse and worse and worse. What, what's, the, what's the new one now? Toad licking? I mean, who even thought about that to do that? It's like, that's what we're talking about here, is using drugs. Sorcerers, what's next? Sexually immoral. That is sexual intimacy, sexual relations, outside of the marriage bed, as prescribed by God in his word, between a genetic male husband and a genetic female wife. Any sexual intimacy outside of that is called sexual immorality or fornication. Listen, listen. if you're sleeping with your girlfriend, shacking up with your boyfriend, God is not pleased. Well, I'm, I'm the elect. I'm the chosen. I don't know what you are, but according to my Bible... You're going to be outside of God's kingdom. Homosexuality. It's an abomination. It's sexual immorality. Please don't give people the out on saying it's okay because they're in love. They're not. It's lust. Same as premarital sex, extramarital sex, adultery, all of it in God's eyes is wrong. It's sin. And if, listen, if you are in that place this morning, listen, you need to repent. The Lord can forgive. The Lord will forgive. He'll give a fresh start. He'll set you free. But here's the deal. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. Listen, this is not an exhaustive list of the practices that will keep someone out of the kingdom of God. If you're taking notes, Ephesians 5, Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians 5, all the fives, three fives in a row, give us even more of an idea. And in fact, in Galatians 5, it speaks of, Paul said, those who practice such things, I've told you this, I've told you many times before, if they're practicing this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he also talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Those that are engaged in the works of the flesh are looking for love, joy, and peace in the wrong places. Are you with me? 
What else does he say? Murderers, those who take people's lives. Idolaters, those that worship anything or anyone other than the Lord Jesus. And whoever loves and practices a lie. What's the opposite of a lie? Truth. For us as believers, we love the truth, don't we? The truth has set us free. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And here's the deal this morning. Check it out. This is not talking about those who are struggling with a certain issue or a certain sin. Does anyone here struggle? If, you're, if you didn't say yes, you're liar, liar, pants on fire. And all liars will have their place in the... We all struggle, don't we? Some of us, the Lord has set us free in areas. It's like, oh, Lord, God, I need help in this area. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about someone that doesn't care what God, God's word says. I don't care. You tell me, I'm living with my girlfriend. God's cool with that. We got married in the woods. No, God's not cool with that. You're saying God is wrong and you're right. That's pride. That's the pinnacle of pride. And here's the deal. Remember when Jesus Remember when Jesus came in contact with the woman caught in adultery? You guys remember that story in the Gospel of John? Isn't that a beautiful story? Jesus was there teaching on the Sermon Mount, on the on the on the Sermon Mount, on the the Temple Mount. He's teaching, and all of a sudden, here come the religious leaders. Remember the religious leaders? Sin-sniffing, finger-pointing, critical fault-finders. You got a woman caught in adultery. She's probably just got a blanket wrapped around her. Boom! They throw her down right there in front of Jesus, in front of everyone. She's exposed, and what do they say? This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Moses says in the law, she must be stoned. But what do you say? They thought they had Jesus trapped. Listen, can you trap Jesus? No chance. No way, Jose. What did Jesus do? He starts doodling. How do you do when someone is ignoring you? When they're trying to say something to you, do you get louder? Come on, listen up, man. I'm trying to tell you something. That's what they did. They got louder and louder, and Jesus is just ignoring them. Do, 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 do. Lord, I lift your name on high. <laughs> and then he stood up. So awesome. You who is without sin, cast the first stone. And then what did he do? He went right back down to doodling. And then it says, when they heard it, they were convicted in their consciences, and they began to file out one by one the oldest to the youngest. Please take note of that. It doesn't say 
they read the writing on the ground. Because there are some pastors, preachers that say that. Oh, he was writing all their sins in the dirt and making arrows. That's baloney. Read your, study your Bible, man. It says when they heard what Jesus said, they were convicted. And then it was just, I mean, it was just her and him. And isn't that where the Lord needs to get us? That's where we begin with him, all alone with Jesus. Even in a room like this, all alone with Jesus, he's got you right where he wants you. And he's speaking to your heart. And what did Jesus say? It's so tender, so full of grace and truth. Where are those accusers of yours? Does no one condemn you? What'd she say? No one, Lord. Neither do I. But he didn't finish there. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, stop practicing sexual immorality. Follow me. Go my way. Listen, so beautiful. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk no longer according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. That's good news this morning. We've been set free, forgiven, no longer condemned. And he has given us, please listen, he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit to obey what he's called us to do, to walk in obedience to him. And what is he asking for us to trust and obey? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so we surrender and say, okay, Lord, I'll do it your way. I agree. Your way is best. I'm wrong and you are right. Have your way in me and through me and around me for your glory. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us life. For forgiving us. Giving us a fresh start. Thank you for um, the beautiful reminder that you are coming for us. Thank you for giving us the privilege of serving you. Thank you for sharing your ministry with us, sharing your work with us. Thank you that we are your workmanship. Created in you, Lord Jesus, for good works that you've prepared beforehand. Help us, Lord. We want to walk in those good works that our lives would count, that our lives would make a difference. Lord, forgive us. We could be so busy piling up things that will not profit, that will simply perish and burn. Thank you for helping us get our bearings straight this morning. Thank you that you're in control. We can rest our entire lives into your hands, into your care, and live full on for you. Please bless, Lord, my precious brothers and sisters. As we trust and obey you. 
as we walk in the Spirit, as we are led by the Spirit, as we live in the Spirit, that our lives will bring you glory. And this morning, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, as we're still in an attitude of prayer this morning, perhaps you've been listening and you realize the Lord has been speaking to your heart this morning. And he has you one-on-one, just like he did with the woman that was caught in adultery. He's reaching out to you right now to forgive you. Jesus wasn't sent to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to save sinners, and that's you, that's me. He came to save us. And he's calling you right now to come to him, to put your trust in him. He loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and his love for me by coming and dying on the cross. He suffered, paying the penalty for our sins in his life's blood. He suffered, died, and was buried and rose again on the third day. And he's here this morning with the power to save, to forgive, to give you a fresh start. You come just as you are. Best of all, you get to have a relationship with him, to walk with him. You come just as you are. Is that you this morning? If you're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart, my life to Jesus to put my trust in him. I want to do that right now. If that's you, I would love to pray with you right now. We'll just say a simple prayer together. I'll lead you. I'm going to ask you to do something. Just lift up your hand. Can I pray with you this morning as you give your heart to Jesus? Anyone at all this morning? I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Anyone else this morning? You can put your hand down. I see your hand too. All right. Anyone else? I don't want to stop if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart right now. Again, it's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. Anyone else this morning before I pray? You raise up that hand. Let's pray. All right, for those that have raised their hands, you can repeat just this simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. Thank you for dying for me, for my sins. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you wash me and cleanse me and make me new? You promised you would. Would you fill me with your spirit? I don't want to go back to those sins anymore. I give you my life, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for those that have raised their hands. Thank you that you know our hearts. Would you please keep each and every precious one that has prayed this morning close to you, close to your heart, that they would always sense your leading and guiding as they entrust their lives to your care, as you shepherd their lives, that they would be so blown away by your grace and your goodness and by your faithfulness. 
Thank you that truly you are, Lord Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so thank you for rescuing our new sister and brothers. Thank you that our names are written in heaven. We rejoice in so great a salvation, so great a Savior. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And it's in your name, your precious and holy name, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go and stand together for one last song. Yeah. Oh my God, he's not there.
Jesus, for our time of worship, Lord. Thank you for our time in your word, Lord, for the great work that we know that you're going to do within us, Lord. We pray that you would please help us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to walk in your word, the things that we've been taught, Lord, that we'd find application, Lord, that our lives will be aligned and consistent with who we are in you, Jesus. May we abide in you, Lord, trusting you day by day, Lord, walking by faith, Lord. I pray now for our time of fellowship that you would bless it and knit us closer together, Lord. Help us to be uh, united in you, Lord, and be known by our love for one another. Lord, so please do that work as only you can by your spirit in us, through us, and amongst us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. <laughs>